Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Pure Football Podcast. Unbiased, in-depth, Scottish. My name's Gavin Miller, the founder of Pure Football, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Owen Brown, a writer for Scouted Football, Statsbomb, and many others. Owen, how are you tonight? I'm very well, Gavin. How are you? Yep, doing really good. Thank you, mate. On tonight's show, we said that we would look at our Pure Football team of the season, so Owen and I both pulled together our starting 11s on looking at what players have really impressed us and stood out for their teams. We also looked at uh, what our listeners thought for their team of the season. And we also said tonight we would look at uh, the bottom six scorecards for the Scottish Premiership, looking at the performances of the bottom six following on from last week where we looked at the top six and gave those teams a mark out of 10. Oh, and so when we were coming to our uh, Scottish Premiership team, we said we would only have a maximum of two players per team which gave us sort of multiple uh, iterations of what our starting 11s might look like. It seemed as flex our tactical shape, um, you know, probably more than we would have wanted to, to try and accommodate some players. Um, but we eventually settled on, you know, how we would want to set up. And there is a slight variation. I've gone for the um, your dad's 4-4-2, uh, get it in the mixer. Uh, and Owen, you opted for, a, it's like a, what, a 5 Two, two, one. A continental. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but yeah, um, I was basically to get a wedge in some players, and yeah, realised halfway through that I'd get three players in from one team and stuff. So there we are, five, two, two, one. The new formation that <laughs> will start sweeping Scotland. <laughs> I love it, um, and yeah, we've also got our listeners who uh, I thought you know the dads out there would appreciate another 4-4-2. So we've got two 4-4-2s and then Owen's nonsense 5-2-2-1. But yeah, we would talk through sort of each selection as we got through it. Um, So let's just get straight into it. Uh, And our three goalkeepers, so I'll give you mine, Owen's, and who our listeners voted for on a poll that we posted on Twitter. Um, So I've opted for Jack Anwick of St Mirren. Owen opted for Benji Segrist of Dundee United and our listeners opted for Al McGregor of Rangers. Owen, I'm going to come to you first and I want your thoughts on, uh, first of all, how you came to the conclusion of Benji Segrist and what's impressed you about him this year. Yeah, um, came to the conclusion basically by um, it was him, McGregor or uh, Anik for me and and I was really torn between Anik and Seagrace. I've been really impressed by both of them this season. I really probably just came down to the fact that you were picking Anik and I didn't want to have exactly the same choice. <laughs> um, Seagrace has impressed me a, a lot this season. I mean, he impressed me last season as well in the Championship. You could see, I think, from then that he was going to be a capable uh, Premiership-level keeper. Um, he's a really good shot stopper, very uh, capable, assuring to have you know behind you as a defence. Uh, and I think in a team that's um, maybe had... Not, not a lot for the, the kind of supporters to be particularly enthused about um, this season in Dundee United, at least in terms of individual performances. Um, he's been one real kind of performance that, that they would note, I would say, as a, a positive this season. He's you know kept out, I mean, literally statistically kept out more goals than you would expect by quite a significant degree. Um, and yeah, I just think that he's been a, a really key part of them being able to be relatively high up the division um, particularly for a team that doesn't create that much at the other end at the moment so it's you know been 
really important for them to have such a good keeper to get um, some results. So, yeah, Seagrace for me, uh, definitely my my starter. Uh, again, of course, with the kind of caveat that we were restricting ourselves to two players maximum uh, from each club. Um, so McGregor probably wasn't in contention for me, given how many other Rangers players <laughs> we'll maybe get to were in contention for other positions. Um, what about you, though? Talk me through what uh, attracted you to Anik uh, for your team. Yeah, so much the same. I think St Mirren have faced similar sort of challenges as Dundee United. They face quite a lot of pressure, uh, struggle to get up the park for large periods of the game. Um, and whilst they're they're quite resolute and quite tough, uh, Anik is still, you know, I think is exposed to quite a lot. Uh, still, you know, when you sit deep, you're you're inviting pressure. So uh, I thought Anik has done a really good job in terms of, you know, commanding his box in terms of you know uh, his shot stopping ability. His distribution. I think he's just a, a very, you know, cliched sentence, but a very safe pair of hands uh, mm. as someone that you can really rely on. Um, I'm interested as well to see what happens with him. I've got a feeling there might be one or two teams looking at him and, and considering a move for him. Uh, again, as you mentioned, you know, with Seagreast, uh, his his data is is looking extremely well, and I'd recommend you go check out at the Jers report on Twitter, who's posted some modern football data uh, around about uh, goalkeeper performance and both Seagrest and Anik have uh, have have got some exceptional data that, that's really highlighted by uh, the Jersh report. Uh, our listeners voted for Alan McGregor. They didn't face the same stipulations as we did. Well, quickly, just give me your sort of thoughts on, on Alan McGregor's season for Rangers. Yeah, he's been fantastic, hasn't he? Um, I, I felt initially it was a little bit of a pity for McLaughlin to be kind of pulled out of the team after such a run of clean sheets at the start. But, you know, um, McGregor hasn't done anything to warrant losing the position again after coming back in. Uh, in fact, much to the contrary, he's you know, made loads of good saves. Uh, obviously, there was a particularly brilliant one in the game against Celtic at the start of this month, um, which really stands out to me. But I think um, it, it, the, the kind of point of selecting McGregor or one of these guys, maybe like Anik, um, is quite an interesting thing to think about for me as to the challenges uh, of being a goalkeeper in a team like Rangers or a team like St Mirren. You know, on the one hand, you might say that somebody like McGregor has to be um, not switching off um, because you know the one chance that he might face in the game is potentially going to be a big chance because of the way Rangers play. You, know, you might find that somebody breaks in behind them and of course, just losing one goal for them can be, you know, key. You know, they, they, they want to have clean sheets. They want to be unbeaten and so on. Whereas for somebody like Anik, um, like you mentioned, it's stressful. You know, it's like the whole 90 minutes, potentially, <laughs> you know, you could face shots. You have to be in command of your box. You're potentially sitting quite deep. you got to be really mindful. So it's really interesting to think about, you know, um, who is it hard for? You know, how do you actually compare people that play for different teams in terms of picking who's the best? And I guess ultimately you can't. There's different challenges, but that's why these things are kind of fun and maybe why I've gone for somebody kind of in the middle, like Seagreast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's my thoughts. You, get in, you want to say on, on McGregor, uh, still still doing it at 38 years old or, or whatever it is now? Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, he's, he's such a high-level goalkeeper. Uh, and I was worried about an element of sort of dip in terms of performance. But, you know, there's some of the saves that you've seen from him this season uh, been excellent. I, I I think one of the best ones that I remember is uh, it didn't actually count, but uh, in the old firm, it was an offside from Edward. Um, the save that he made from that opportunity was was excellent, and I think he's just very dependable for Rangers, and and they're in a lucky position where 
you know, McGregor at 38, uh, even if he was to decide to retire this season, I think John McLaughlin's sort of proven that at least in the Scottish Premiership that he's a, a capable goalkeeper to come in. So interesting to see what happens there. Yep. So let's move on to our right-back slot. And it was uh, a unanimous vote for Jeremy Frimpong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a unanimous vote for uh, James Tavernier from Rangers, uh, from all three of us, uh, and I include the listeners, you the listener, as as us. Uh, so Tav, Owen, talk, talk to me about his contribution for Rangers this season. It's just been next level for a right-back, right? Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the, the kind of playmaking uh, involvement, the amount that he does in build-up, but also at the other end of the pitch where he's actually delivering, you know, the assists. Um, I think he's, uh, in terms of underlying stats, he's got almost six expected assists, which is phenomenal at the halfway point. I think it's 0.13 open play expected assists per 90, which is, uh, you know, a, a really good amount as well, particularly given that it's a team Rangers that shares out around the team a hell of a lot of their, you know, creativity. Yeah, yes, he's a key component of it. Yes, he's a, a kind of really big part of their build-up, but loads of other people set up. Uh, I've expected this. This is... Fantastic. Um, I guess the other thing that stuck for me with Taverni is um, availability. You know, he's a machine. Mm. You know, he can potentially play fifty matches in a season for what the, the you know third, fourth season in a row, um, which is really, really important. You know, um, particularly in a, a a season maybe where you're really, really wanting to win competitions. Um, to have somebody that's that key be able to be there all the time. You know, a, a, a ready, available reliable um, part of your selection. So th- there was no doubt for me at all that Tavernier was the person to pick for this. I think in our poll that we put out to listeners, we also had Nicky Devlin of Livingston, who's done really well this season, and Danny McNamara, who was at St. Johnston for the first half of the season, we were both really impressed by, but uh, regrettably, I guess for us and for St. Johnston fans and for watchers of the Premiership, he's gone back down south. Um, with his loan over, but um, yeah, no, no doubt for me that it was Tavernier's spot, and, and I, I'm happy to use up one of my two choices for Rangers on him. I think he he deserves recognition. What what about you, Gavin? Any thoughts on him or other options for right back? Or yeah, I thought you know it was it was impossible to not pick him. I think his his contribution for Rangers has just been incredible. You know, even if you just if you look at the the basic stats of eleven goals and nine assists. Just insane, right? Um, from a right back, and yes, there's obviously penalties in there, um, but there's there's plenty of open play goals as well. I think he's so important to Rangers in terms of their system, in terms of what Steven Gerrard and Michael Beale ask of the team. Um, I think he's dynamic. I think he's you know he, he contributes at a very high level in both sort of phases. Um, you know his defensive performances have got a lot better. I think we're not seeing him caught out as often, whether that's part of the you know, systemic changes at Rangers or whether it's down to Taverni or whether it's both. Uh, I think just all round, he's just been incredible. Um, and it's just, it was impossible to leave him out. I think you mentioned there, Nicky Devlin, I think uh, for Livingston's had a particularly good season as well. Um, and if it wasn't so strongly for, for Tav, he might have had a really good chance because he's been... You know, really good um, in terms of how Livingston set up. He's rock solid as a defender, contributes going forward, um, and yeah, I, I just wonder. You know, I, it's all all sort of tongue in cheek, but I don't see why. You know, I think it was a, the Livingston Twitter had him in a Scotland top, uh, 
I don't see why he couldn't get in, uh, at least for a friendly worth looking at when we have such limited options at right back. Maybe unlikely with someone being 27, but performing at a very good level and, and probably comparable to what Stephen O'Donnell was doing for Kilmarnock, um, mm. you know, when he was playing. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. That, that's just, I guess, a little bit of speculation. But let's move on to our left-back choices. Um, so uh, both you and I uh, snapped on Josh Doig, um, but our listeners who, uh, again, didn't have the same restrictions we had um, were able to vote for Borna Barisic. Oh, and first of all, do you want to give me your thoughts on, on Borna Barisic and how well he's done this season? Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, again, um, just a really, really dependable quality both ways fullback, right? You know, he gives Rangers the width and uh, threat that they need um, from th- these guys that are essentially operating as wingbacks. You know, his crossing ability is brilliant. Delivery is just unreal. But also, you know, he's hardworking. He's reliable um, in defensive phases. Um, doesn't give the ball away needlessly. Um, so he's been, a, I think, a, a fantastic pickup for them. And I think they'll be really glad that they've been able to kind of hold on to him. You know, obviously there was some rumours I guess over the last 12, 18 months, you know, about his, his dad wanting to punt him off to Italy at various times <laughs> and so on, but they've hung on to him. And I think it's so key for a system like Rangers to have two fullbacks who can, you know, deliver in, in those ways and are still solid at the back. So he's been brilliant. And I certainly wouldn't argue with um, the people on Twitter who voted for for him. I think it was 70% of the uh, the, the the followers on Twitter that participate in the poll voted for Barisic, so a resounding vote for him. But, but uh, Josh Doig took twenty five percent of the vote as well, so you know, pretty impressive response for him. And I think you and I have been impressed with his performances this season. Do, do you want to tell me a bit about him, or is there any further you want to add about Barisic that I've maybe not touched on there? No, I think you've you've covered Barisic really well, and I think a lot of our listeners will understand what he's good at in terms of Josh Doig. You know, the kid's only 18, so it's uh, mm-hmm. worth taking that into consideration with this as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's having his sort of breakout season, but he looks like he's got a, a lot of good things about him, his performance for, for Hibs. And yes, like any young players, there's there's games where he's, you know, really struggled. I actually think Hibs systemically don't actually offer him a whole load of protection uh, at times, but, um, you know, I, I think he can be he can be left isolated. Um but I think overall he's he's done really well. He carries the ball forward. He offers an attacking threat. He's got a nice sort of touch on him. Um, I think that he, you know, he's he's a good size. Looks quite robust. Um, and I think he's a player that there's definitely a, a lot of talent there that you know you can continue to try and harness. We've obviously just seen Josh Reed, or very close to seeing Josh Reed, uh, similar sort of age profile, similar sort of uh, player type. Um, get a move to Coventry and I wouldn't be surprised if, if someone starts looking at Josh Doig very soon as well. Um, but yeah, I've been really impressed with him. What about you? What's your sort of opinions on him? Would you, would you say that uh, Doig's got, you know, quite a bit of development to go yet or, or what, what's your thinking on, on his potential? Yeah, there's loads of development to go. Hopefully, I mean, you know, all players can still develop. Um, He's incredibly young, you know. As you mentioned, he and Josh Reed have kind of both been doing it this season. They're both uh, May two thousand and two born, so only eighteen years old, almost exactly the same age as each other. Both left backs, um, and um, like you said, Reed has been linked with potentially is going to be going to Coventry City um, very very soon. 
I think Hibs are probably in a stronger position to hang on to their players than Ross County are. And I don't think they would want to lose Doig because, you know, they've got him and Lewis Stevenson. And it seems like Stevenson has done a really good job in terms of helping, you know, Doig come through and kind of mentoring him. But it would be difficult, I think, for Hibs if they had to kind of um, bring in another left back at this point. Anyway, to talk about Doig, I, I think he's done really, really well. I think... Um, couple of things that have impressed me have been his ability to play in different kind of systems for Hibs, um, with Hibs kind of moves sometimes from having four at the back and him being a left-back, sometimes to, you know, wing-back system. Um, like you said, with maybe not a lot of cover for him on the wing as well. Also with the different roles he's been asked to do, you know, so it could be times when he's been asked to be quite an attacking, uh, ball-carrying wing-back. Um, watched the recent game for Hibs against Kilmarnock uh, when he was really good with the ball at his feet on occasion. Could have had a penalty at one point where he carried the ball a distance and kind of broke into the opposition box and had a lot of confidence and, and directness to uh, do that. Whereas, you know, also we've seen him be used as a, a kind of defensive weapon. When Hibbs played against Rangers, he was kind of tasked from left wing back as kind of essentially almost man-marking James Tavernier at Rangers right back um, to, to kind of block off their build-up. So it was interesting to me, that, you know, seeing that he's capable of doing these very kind of varied or different roles. Um, and like you said, he's got the physical attributes um, to uh, develop further. Uh, good build on him, uh, despite his young age. Uh, good with the ball at his feet. Um, so, yeah, I, I like him a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that there's a huge amount of competition this season, uh, you know, in terms of us picking a team of the season so far. For the left left back spot, um, so you know, might see later on in the season will there be another couple of people that might improve, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to pick Josh Doig. Um, I think he's done really well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's a pretty good analysis there. Let's move on to our centre back slot then, and uh, Owen, you've got three centre backs in your system, so we'll start with the mm. the first one that I've got on my list here, and that's uh, Connor Goldson, who also appeared on our listeners uh team of the season uh but not on mine on well, talk me through your selection of Goldson and why you've opted for for him yeah i've been really impressed by connor Goldson this season um mostly probably for on the ball stuff um so rangers asking their center backs to play very high up the park this season and tasking them with a lot of ball progression um and he's really responded to that very well i think maybe for somebody that um at least for myself, admittedly, I didn't really know a lot about the player before he arrived at Rangers and maybe um, had a bit of an assumption. Um, I know that people might think that uh, an English Premier League centre half coming up to Scotland, it's going to be easy, but I'd probably be a wee bit sceptical at somebody that's maybe not a starter down there and maybe what they're going to provide and so on. Um, not pointing any fingers at, at Shane Duffy <laughs> here, but... <laughs> Anyway, I didn't think that Goldson was going to necessarily be a disaster. I, I was sure that Rangers kind of knew what they'd done, they were doing, and and, and you know had a, had a an idea in mind of what type of player he was. But I didn't really know what he'd be like, and um, I think that he he's been pretty solid as a defender generally. But yeah, it's, it's the ball progression, the playmaking type stuff, the long passing um, that's really stood out this season, and, and it's probably the main reason why I have him in this team, particularly if I'm going to go at it from a point of view of having this kind of three at the back um, where I want, you know, centre-backs uh, theoretically to kind of bring the ball forward. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I, I think he's done, he's done really well. I think that the Rangers, um, 
defensive record is incredible this season. Um, some of that obviously is down to McGregor and also the way the team plays as a you know system, squeezing teams up the pitch and not giving away much. But McGregor has done, sorry, Golton has done really well in kind of individual moments. Cast my mind back to things like there was a breakaway in the game against Aberdeen. Uh, can't remember who it was, but maybe Hedges or Wright or somebody like that where Golton had a kind of last minute block. Just little moments like that. Defensive challenges, but also he's been solid aerially and, and the passing's been good. So very, very happy to have him in. What about your first pick for centre back, Gavin? Do you have somebody you want to mention? Yeah, so I opted for Declan Gallagher of Motherwell. I think he's been, you know, absolutely incredible, rock solid for them in terms of his performance. I think, you know, he's now the Motherwell captain. Um, whilst uh, I think Liam Donnelly, who was the captain, is currently injured, but uh, Declan Gallagher. Uh, has taken that mantle on board as well, but he offers so much to Motherwell in terms of, you know, his ability to make passes from deep areas. He's an accurate passer from, you know, uh, from deep as well. So he can he can sort of break the lines. He can play those long sort of diagonal balls into the channels. Uh, very dependable in terms of his defensive uh, output. He's very aggressive. Um, I think sets the tone quite often with Beavis Mugabe uh, for Motherwell. And I think, you know, he's he's proven himself to be a very dependable Scottish Premiership centre-back. It's just, a, I guess, a little bit of a shame that he sort of came into his peak a little bit later and he's, uh, at the age of 29. If he was a couple of years younger, I think he might have had quite a few sitters. Um, but he's developed into, a, you know, a fantastic centre-back and someone that I think um, Motherwell will be doing everything they possibly can to to keep uh, and I think recently Graham Alexander said that they they uh, they want him to stay and they've made that clear but uh, Gallagher does have other options on the table so we'll just need to wait and see but yeah really really impressed with Declan Gallagher and how he's performed. Have you got any mm. thoughts on him? Um, yeah I mean obviously it's been a difficult season for Motherwell um, and it's maybe been a wee bit of a difficult time for him there was, of course, some rumours kind of linking him with Celtic and a little bit contention around the fact that you know he has this contract that would have expired this summer if he doesn't hit a certain number of games. Um, it seems, though, that maybe since Alexander's come through, that maybe they've they've gone past that point a wee bit and and you know seems to be back fully on board. Um, and I think in terms of on the pitch, um, he's he's done very well. You know, most most of the problems for Motherwell have been at the top end of the pitch or in midfield, I guess. I think in terms of defensive stuff, he's he's generally done well. So I'm I'm I've got no real issues with him being him being picked, even though yeah, you're you're picking a centre back from a team that's what joint second bottom. Um but fair fair enough. Um my next pick is John Guthrie. Um it's another, you know, relatively no nonsense uh, centre back and uh, somebody at Livingston, which is where of course uh, Gallagher was before he went to Motherwell. I think that Guthrie's been really impressive. Um, obviously, Livingston full stop have been impressive, particularly since Martindale took over. Um, in terms of Guthrie, yeah, I mean, pretty much does might, what you might expect. So he wins a lot of you know balls in the air. air. Um, you know, t- involves himself in a huge amount of aerial duels, um, but also in terms of on the ground duels, he's really good at winning tackles. Wins a high percentage of his defensive duels. Um, he makes a lot of interceptions for them. Um, just really good at you know doing the kind of simple, well, the, the the fundamentals, I guess I would say, you know, in terms of winning the ball back and being a kind of 
dominant presence for them defensively. So I think he's impressed this season. How about Guthrie for you, Gavin? You you happy with my selection of him and my team, or or would you have any yeah. issue with that? Yeah, that's our, our second snap. I think Guthrie's contribution for Livingston and and making them rock solid at the back has has been really important. Again, he's he's uh, he's got you know quite a few goals as well, uh, so offers a, a set piece threat, which is is really important. But I think just in terms of how Livingston play, and I include you know under Hole and Martindale about being defensively solid first. I think Guthrie's very very dependable, and I think he rightly deserves a. a a, a seat in or a, a place in uh, both of our, our team of the seasons. Uh, sure. Our list, our listeners um, voted for Ryan Porteous ahead of Guthrie. Tell me why Porteous could could be argued as a, a better option than than Guthrie, or or what you like about Ryan Porteous this season. Yeah, I think Porteous has done pretty well this season. Um, I think that he, he maybe gives you a level of passing forward that Guthrie wouldn't. You know, he's got reasonable passing out of defence, but still. Um, it is capable defensively. Uh, still, some question marks for me sometimes at his positioning when when there's maybe aerial balls into the box or crosses. Um, but yeah, been delighted with how he's developing. You know, very very pleased to see him make a Scotland squad as well. And you know, he did well for Scotland under twenty ones over the year. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got no quibbles with people kind of highlighting Porteous as having had a good season, but he he wouldn't be in the team of season for, for me at this point. Um, so you you had. Of course, you're just going for a, a back four, so you had Guthrie and Goldson as your two. And so far, then, I've got um, Guthrie and Goldson as well, but I've got another centre-back to add in with my three at the back, uh, this 5-2-2-1 formation that I've uh, saddled our fans with having to watch. My, my final centre-back is Chris Iyer, um, who I, I think, in what obviously has been a difficult season for Celtic in many ways, um, has actually done really well. Um, I think that maybe I have to take into account the fact that he's played with multiple different partners, uh, multiple different systems, and couldn't even be played at right back at times. Um, and I think he's done well uh, throughout in, in pretty much all of the games I've watched. Um, I think with Ayer again, you get the added bonus of his ball carrying, his you know progression of the ball, which has been it's been really good this season, um, particularly you know for Premiership standards. You know he, he excels at that as opposed to other players. Obviously, he's tasked with doing it a lot more and can do those kind of things, but he is really good at it. Um, but also defensively as well, I think you know he's he's done well in the air. Um, there's a couple of games. I mean, I think the the game against Rangers, um, for instance, the most recent one, um, he, he was really good aerially um, for the first kind of you know majority of that game. A lot of the way that Rangers tried to get out at points was maybe to... You know, go pretty long as they were finding it difficult to get past the press. Ayer was played on the right hand side of the fence that you know game probably to protect Jeremy Fringpong against high balls and and he did really well and I, I think that stands out in the the stats that his aerial win percentage is is pretty good um, as well as that you know defensively in terms of ground duels he's done well. Um, so yeah, I, I think that he deserves a bit of recognition. I think maybe he might go a little bit down under the radar again, just because people expect really good things from him, and it's been not a stellar season for Celtic. But he's he's done very well for for me. Um, shall we move on now? What position yep. do you want to go at for your your midfield? Where are we starting there? Let's start with our first central midfielder, and I opted for Cal McGregor. Our listeners opted for uh, Glenn Kamara. And Owen, you've gone for Ross McCrory. So yeah. there's a, a bit of variance there. First of all, Owen, talk to me about 
one, uh, how you came to Ross McCrory, but also just about the, the move and how you think that's been for him so far. Yeah, uh, so how did I arrive at Ross McCrory? Well, partly just because I couldn't pick some of the other options because <laughs> of this uh, limiting ourselves to two players per team max. So, I, I, you know, to be frank, I might have had a Rangers uh, midfielder in there, been multiple ones that have really impressed me. You know, Kamara, for instance, Arfield has done really well when he's been available as well. Um, but I, I think that McCrory has done pretty well this season. I think that maybe in terms of the Aberdeen midfield, Ferguson might take the headlines um, because of the goal scoring and things like that. But I, I've actually been a bit more impressed by McCrory than Ferguson from watching the matches. Um, I think that it has been a good move. I think it was quite a brave move for him, um, you know, to to go there and, and try and kind of establish a, a career in Scotland. It's also a move that pleased me um, as a, a spectator, a viewer, you know, to see somebody like that who's potentially got really good potential maybe not quite make it at Celtic or Rangers, but still stay within the league. So that was nice. And and yeah, I think he gives a, a good balance of, uh, you know, mainly going to be a kind of competitive um, defensive midfield type player. So, you know, he's won reasonable amount of duels for Aberdeen. Um, you know, he's very involved uh, in terms of, well, uh, battling with people, fouling people, <laughs> uh, tackles, uh, you know, interceptions, stuff like that. But it's also reasonable on the ball. So he's, he's not going to be a major source of build-up for Aberdeen, you know, mainly because of the way that they play. Um, but when called upon, you know, he's pretty accurate with his passes in the final third, things like that. Gets it forward a reasonable amount of time. And when he does, he, he finds a man. I think that's the thing that sticks out for me. Like, you may not see the volume for him if you maybe look at things statistically. But you need to keep in mind that that's you know affected by style. So then you'd be looking at you know um, how good is he at it? What what's the the quality like of the times when he does make these kind of forward passages or, or passages of play? Um, and, and yeah, so I've I've been pretty impressed by him. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does over the kind of back end of the season. Um, you know, getting that partnership with Ferguson really kind of settled, and also maybe if Aberdeen can you know. Pick to pick and stick to a system. Maybe there's been a little bit of kind of chop and change up front with you know Watkins being available earlier on, but not now. Maybe Scott Wright's not going to be there. Sometimes they've gone with two centre forwards in Main and Cosgrove. Some not. So maybe it just needs a little bit more kind of stability around them. But overall, um, I, I think he's done well enough for me in comparison to most other midfielders to be. Um, one of the ones that I would pick for team of the season. And again, I think that he's maybe somebody that might go a little bit under the radar. You know, people might maybe suggest some people from other teams, but I, I think partly maybe just from the way that Aberdeen play, he has a lot of work to do and he maybe doesn't get to show up in the kind of better moments that some other people at some other teams might. So that that's my pick. What what you want to talk me through your thoughts on Cal McGregor and, and why he makes your team? Yeah, so first of all, I think it's a really good summary of, of uh, Ross McCrory and how he's been developing. I think it's easy to write someone off as soon as they've left the old firm for another Scottish Premiership team. But yeah, I think it's he's definitely you know had a good season, in my opinion. Uh, Callum McGregor, I think he's one of the few positives for Celtic over the course of the year. I think he's continued to do all the things that he was good at before. He's a high-volume passer, very accurate. Uh, he can carry the ball forward. He plays passes through the lines. He creates chances. Uh, you know, makes these sort of late runs into the box. Gets into positions where he can get shots away. 
Um, his defensive output is is okay, but that's not overly you know his game. Uh, but I think he does a, a lot of really good things, and and I think for me, uh, if they didn't have Cal McGregor this season, Celtic would only be in a, in a lot of of bother, um, even more so than they are. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I like the way McGregor plays the game, and I like the the you know the technical way that he plays, but the ability to execute what he's trying to do as well at a very high level is is you know really impressive. Uh, you know, I think he's just very active, touches in the box, you know, playing passes into dangerous areas. Um, yeah, just a, a lot to like about Cal McGregor. And I, I think he's very, very consistent. Um, and, you know, I think that, uh, you know, probably one of the few bright sparks for, for Celtic this season. Um, yeah, so that was that was my pick. Uh, and, oh, and our listeners opted for Glenn Kamara. Again, this is... They didn't have the same restrictions we had. They've now got their fourth, uh, sorry, the <laughs> fifth Rangers player. Can have two in total. Uh, what about Glenn Kamara? Just quickly, what's been your thoughts on him? Oh, brilliant! I absolutely love Kamara. I think, um, yeah, loved him for a long time um, at Dundee. You know, when you know he, he still showed his talent and his kind of importance, um, even in a really underperforming, you know, struggling team. I think he was such a smart pickup by Rangers, and and he's really come on to uh, things, and I would say even developed even further this season. You know, maybe contributing at times higher up the park, not necessarily getting a big nosebleed when he hits the edge of the penalty box, but he's he's so good. You know, dropping into spaces, uh, going and seeking the ball, press resistant. You know, uh, drinking past people, playing nice passes. Um, just a, a lovely player to watch. Um, big fan of him. What about you? Yeah, I think he's he's done really well this season, and and uh, I think that it won't be long before I think he he does get his move to the English Premiership. I think he looks like he's suited to to uh, playing for a team that's maybe uh, going to not have all of the ball. Um, I think there's been a lot of sort of noise about uh, Leeds in particular, and I think the way that they play, I know they play with a lot of the ball actually, but uh, I think his positional awareness and uh, work rate will be really important and yeah I think he's just he's been great um, okay so let's move on to our next central midfield position Owen taught me who you selected here I've gone for David Turnbull um, here uh, so yeah may- maybe somebody that hasn't necessarily played a huge amount until relatively recently for Celtic but I need to keep in mind that he played quite a bit for Motherwell at the start of the season so I'm kind of combining those two things and I think Turnbull has been really good for both of those teams when he has been able to play. Um, he has had an impact for Celtic, obviously, you know, coming up big for them in a couple of key moments. Has amazing delivery from set pieces. Um, the, the other kind of thing that sticks out for me with him is the impact his departure has had on Motherwell. Um, mm. You know, that you can see just the, the absence of him and his irreplaceability for them um, has maybe been a little bit of a kind of unspoken factor in how hard they've found it um, this season. So, yeah, I, I think he's just been really, really impressive and I'm looking forward to watching him get a lot more game time in the back end of the season. But he already has almost five um, expected assists um, for the season total. So um, 4.54 expected assists. So not far behind uh, Tavernier, who, of course, has played um, a little bit more football than him. Um 
different positions, sure, and, and, and so on, but that kind of shows how good Turnbull has been at making chances for other. Um, and, yeah, I just love to watch him. He's the sort of player that I really like, you know, he's smart, drops into spaces between, you know, defenders and midfielders, um, is always thinking about, you know, how do we make um, something happen? You know, how, how do I try and make this into a, a chance for my teammates? So, yeah, I, I think I'm happy to have him in my team of the season. Again, you know, with the caveat that we've got this kind of two players per team uh, restriction on things. Um, and again, with, you know, the kind of understanding, I, I think he's played 15 matches, you know, total, which is, you know, plenty for me at the half point season. So I, I think he's done enough to be in. Um, you got any thoughts from him or, or do you want to tell me who else you've got in your team? Yeah, I think he's had a a, a really big impact at Celtic. And I think he, you know, it was very close between him and McGregor for me in terms of the Celtic representation. Um, but as we sort of mentioned, there's the, the limitation of two players, there's the multiple iterations. Um, so, yeah, it was it was tough to, to, to make that decision. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a, a good selection. And, and you're right to really call out the impact it's had on Motherwell uh, in terms of his loss. So, so yeah, really good shout. Um, in terms of... Uh, the next centre midfield for myself and the listeners, we both uh, voted for and opted for Lewis Ferguson uh, from Aberdeen. You obviously chose McCrory. Ferguson was the one for me. I think that he's very important to Aberdeen in terms of what they do. Uh, rock solid defensively, um, very active off the ball, lots of pressing, lots of pressures, um, but good output in terms of tackles and interceptions uh, as well. So to me, you know, I think Ferguson deserves it from from the way that he's played for Aberdeen. He, he you know he chips in with goals, gets quite a lot of shots away, uh, and I think when you're Aberdeen, those things are are quite important. He's still very young, you know, he's only twenty one, so there's still room for him to grow. Um, he's doing okay in terms of his on the ball, uh, you know, his passes. Aberdeen playing a you know a certain way where you're not going to get you know Lewis Ferguson making you know. Uh, Lots of through the lines types passes. Um, there's a lot of focus on getting the ball out wide. Um, but yeah, I think Ferguson has done a, a rock solid job and someone that can be very dependable um, for for a team like Aberdeen. So not too much else to add on that one. Let's move on to our sort of our first winger. Let's move to left. Uh, so we've got here uh, three players. Oh, and you've gone and you're sort of. Inverted system, I'm guessing it is. We've got Pittman from Livingston. We've got Ryan Kent from Rangers uh, as uh, our listener option. And I've gone for Mohamed El Yunusi from Celtic. First of all, let's talk about Ryan Kent uh, from our What's been your this season? Yeah, Kent's been really good. I think maybe Rangers fans at times have maybe been... Um, there's high expectations of him, right? Um, you know, given the price tag and, and given you know how much... Op- opportunity maybe Rangers have in matches that you probably want Kent to be delivering a great deal. I think he's been good. You know, I think you need to be mindful of the fact that you you know you, you can't necessarily expect um uh you know huge output all of the time in every kind of single match. But overall he's done really well. His underlying numbers are, are really good in terms of you know expected assists and XG. Um and he gives them a level of directness and you know ability to beat people one v one, change of pace and play you know kind of all along the front line, drop deep as well, which is 
impressive and has been important for them. He, he works really well in their system. So yeah, I think he's been great. You know, if again, if it wasn't for the two-player um, max per team cap, I might well have had him in my uh, selection. Uh, what What about you? Any thoughts on him? Yeah, I think uh, he's always going to be um, hamstrung to an extent with the price tag. Uh, I think people it's easy to write him off or say you know, whatever things about him, but I think his contribution has been excellent for Rangers uh, overall. Got a, a goal of the weekend um, from his head, which is quite rare. Uh, but yeah, I think he's he's had a really good season. Uh, mm. Moving on to my selection then, so Moel Yunusi for Celtic. Uh, I don't love this choice, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, not that he's been bad, um, but not that he's been great either. Um, I think El Yunusi, uh, you know, Again, we've said that about a million times, but only being able to pick two players per team does make this difficult. Um, but Elianusi's contribution for Celtic in terms of goals and you know coming up big when they when they've needed goals as well, I think he's he's someone that uh, for Celtic, you know, if, again it's easy to say this, but if they didn't have him, then they would be in a lot of bother. And I think probably one of the few players that gets enough of a, a sort of pass mark. Uh, for me, in terms of of how he's performed, sometimes you want more from him as the as the sort of feeling uh, that I get. Um, but I, at the same time, you know, I think that uh, he's just been vitally important for Celtic, and they seem to have struggled for goals when he's he's not in the team as well. Um, so yeah, I would I would say that uh, Elianusi probably deserves to be in there uh, from a Celtic perspective. They were. I remember they were, uh, I think it was the St. Johnson game, they were getting beat and he came off the bench and scored, uh, you know, the sort of last 10 minutes to to salvage a draw for Celtic at home against uh, St. Johnson. But yeah, I think that he's hmm. he's got the quality, he's got the, you know, gets lots of shots away, as you would expect for any sort of Celtic player, but he's able to convert them as well, which I think is equally as important. But the thing that I really made me swing for him as his defensive output. Um, lots of interceptions, uh, competes for lots of balls in the air, quite a lot of pressing. Um, and I think for me, that was enough just to swing Elianusi on the team for for me. Uh, any thoughts on, on him? Uh, yeah, I, I probably feel similarly to you about him, Gavin, that um, he, he's kind of delivered for Celtic in kind of key moments to get them back into games or to kind of uh, salvage something from a match. Overall, though, I guess in terms of like creativity and stuff like that, it's maybe not been the sort of level of um, performance from from somebody with his kind of reputation that I would maybe be looking for. Um, but yeah, I, I I wouldn't quibble too much over the fact that he deserves to be in a, a season uh, so far. Team, he he certainly has delivered uh, at times when they've needed him. Yeah, yeah. So you've then got. Uh... His collection sort of position and talk me through through that one. Yeah, uh, so I think Scott Pittman's been uh, really good for Livingston this season. Um, of course, he's got well, I think four goals and three assists, um, but they've not been undeserved. You know, it's I think three point three five expected assists in total. So you know the, the assists have been well merited. I think in addition to that. He helps them get the ball up the pitch pretty well. Um, he gets the ball into dangerous areas for them. So good um, kind of final third passes, um, as well as that, you know, part of a really industrious team. So he's capable of uh, 
competing for high balls and, and winning defensive duels and, and tackling and so on when needed. Um, um, also has an ability to get into good zones for shots. Uh, so as you can see that kind of evidenced, obviously, in terms of watching the games, but that also sticks out in terms of his um, expected goals average per shot. So, yeah, I, I really like him. I think he's been... Livingston have been a really interesting team to watch this season, particularly after kind of Martindale's come in and the slight tweaks that they've made to the way that they play. And I think he's been a a big part of that. I'm really pleased to see you know somebody like that doing uh, so well, and you know particularly with Livingston now getting to the League Cup final as well. I think it's um, well worth it for him to be in a, a team of the season uh, so far this this year. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's really fair and I think he's very dependable and I think he's very well liked by the, the Livingston fan base as well so uh, yeah really good shout. Uh, next we've got a, a hat-trick from all three of us we've got Ryan Hedges, Owen talk to me about him, what what incredible season he's had from considering you know he was about a year removed from being written off uh, by Aberdeen and uh, he's really turned it around and it's, it's clearly down to the haircut right? <laughs> it's um if anything the haircut was stopping him from being even better and he's been but anyway he's he's <laughs> had an excellent season hasn't he um i think he's maybe one of the people that really took uh to aberdeen's kind of uh system when they were playing the kind of 343 uh particularly with kind of walkins and right as well when it was quite a mobile and fluid kind of front three unit uh, he's very dynamic, uh, will run all day, but also has quality on the ball too. Um, so, yeah, I think he's been great. I mean, in terms of stats, uh, he's got non-penalty expected goals per 90 of 0.24, which is, is really good for him, particularly, you know, given that he's been played in quite a few different systems. You know, he's had to play at wing-back at times and, you know, so on. Um, he has um, also delivered for other people. So um, from open play, 0.13 expected assists per 90. Uh, if you cast your mind back, that's the exact same as James Tavernier. So, you know, quite impressive for Hedges to be riding that, those kind of numbers. Um, and, yeah, I, I just think overall he's he's been great. Really, really impressive um, performances for him, particularly going forward, um, despite the haircut, I guess. Uh, your your thoughts, anything you want to add on to, given, so you, I, and the listeners, we all picked him for the sort of the right-sided kind of attacking um, field type role. What were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I like to watch him. I like him uh, attacking space. I love when there's, uh, you know, Ryan Hedges sort of squaring up a, a defender in a sort of 1v1 sort of pace situation, carries the ball so well. Um, and I think for Aberdeen, he's been absolutely vital in terms of their attacking output. Uh, whilst he's not, you know, blowing away the sort of league averages, I think in terms of his systemic performances and systemic contribution for Aberdeen, he's, he's so vital because um, they don't have you know that real on the ball quality, so the fact that he's able to give them that, um, and he he works really hard for the team as well. Again, I mentioned it a few times, but lots of pressures, lots of interceptions, the things that you want uh, when you've got a sort of defensive uh, mindset as well uh, as a club. Mm-hmm. But yeah, realistically, I think he he picks up good positions. He he's very dangerous when he's on the ball, and I think he he gives. You know, most defenders a a a game when he's when he's given that sort of license to attack. Um, and this is where moving on to I guess our next one. This is where uh, myself and the listeners gave us the the four four two. So you're sort of missing a player, um, but Kamar Roof was the the option for 
both myself and the listeners for uh, my second Rangers player, James Tavernier and Kamar Roof. Uh, I think Roof's given Rangers a real different dimension in terms of his flexibility positionally. I think he's been able to play through the middle, played a lot of minutes at right wing, also played sort of inverted on the left side. But what he's really added is lots of goals. And whilst he's uh, maybe not the best in terms of his on-the-ball contribution for, you know, passing or dribbles or any of these sort of things. But one of the, the sort of major criticisms of, of Rangers of the past was the over-reliance on Alfredo Morelos and not having more goals in the team. They've mm-hmm. really addressed that now with uh, with Kamar Roof. I think, um, you know, he scores the scrappy goals, he scores the spectacular, like his goal against Standard Liège. Um, and I think that he's probably surpassed my expectations in terms of his output, obviously, he came from Anderlecht, played at Leeds. Um, but in terms of his contribution, I think he's he's right up there. Picks, you know, takes shots from really good locations, uh, isn't wasteful when he gets the ball. Um, and I think he's the sort of striker that you just need to give him that sort of one chance and then bang, he scored. Um, he's got a, a non-penalty XG of 0.51. So what, a goal every two games? Uh it's pretty, pretty bonkers, right? Um, you know, that's the, the sort of output from, again, to, to say that he's played a large number of his minutes in the sort of right wing space, then I think that's a, a very good output for, for Rangers and Kamara and I can see why our listeners voted for him as well. Hmm. And to finish up on our team of the season, we do have our final snap and we've all opted for Kevin Nisbet uh, between myself, you and the listener. Oh, and talk to me about Kevin Nisbet, but what I want to hear from you is, can he make it to the Scotland squad? Uh, yes, he can. Of course he can. Um, I think Kevin Nisbet's done brilliantly. Very, very pleasing to see somebody that's kind of bounced back um, from maybe you know adversity in their earlier career um, and also come up with the divisions and kind of proven that you know he can do it at a higher level. Um, he's certainly delivering. Um, so really good uh, number of goals this season. He's been a, a key part of Hibs' attack, um, showing that he can perform both as a, a you know kind of solo forward, although that's maybe not when he's what he's best suited to in my view but also he can perform with a partner when maybe Christian Deutsch is in um, and his, his underlying numbers are really good um, so he has a non-penalty expected goals of uh, per 90 of 0.41 which is you know, it's really really uh, respectable for uh, somebody that's not playing at either Celtic or Rangers um, he um, is, is a really key part of Hibs attack as I said so in terms of Hibs expected goals Nisbet's responsible for 30% of the expected goals, so he's a, a huge kind of key component for how they've performed this season. Um, and yeah, I just think he, he scores a real variety of goals. You know, he's he's got, I mean, I keep saying the word goals, and that's because he is a goal scorer, quite clearly. You know, he just seems to have a nose for where the back of the goal is, but he can, call, he can score different type of goals, you know, um, tap-ins, but also, you know, driven shots from inside the box. Uh, really, really just like him. Been incredibly impressed by him this season. Um, and, yeah, to, to kind of go back to your initial question, um, I think that centre-forward is probably the spot where, for an international tournament squad selection, there is always going to be maybe the opportunity to, you know, put somebody in based on form. You know, you'd imagine managers, particularly somebody like Steve in terms of like defence and midfielders, maybe not going to be that level of you know looking for somebody at the last minute up front. There probably is you know just somebody that could sneak in ahead of you know somebody else, and particularly you know given that maybe some of our other 
um, options uh, up front aren't you know big goal scorers or, or maybe aren't in great form right now. What about you? Any thoughts on this bit, given you selected him as well? Yeah, I think you've you've summed them up really well there again. I think all round his game is is very good. He's defensive, he's creative, and he can score goals. I think he, you know exactly what you want from a you know a centre forward. He's is his variety of goals is a really good point to call out as well. I think he's again he scores the sort of scrappy goals. He scores the, the technically nice finishes. Uh, he scores with his head as well. So uh, I think yeah, it's a a very well rounded striker and someone that I'm excited to see how how he continues to develop. He does a lot of good things off the ball as well for me. Um, you know, puts himself about a bit of a nuisance. Um, and I think that he's got a, a good future. And I think it shows that you know if. If you apply yourself well in the championship, the jump up to the Premiership can you know happen pretty quickly for players. We've seen similar. Obviously, you and I spoke about Dykes. I think you, you sort of get a view of these championship strikers at a certain age profile, and you can just sort of tell when when the club that they go to or uh, how you've seen them play whether they're going to make it. And I think Nisbet is going to follow suit to Dykes in terms of getting a good move down south soon as well. Uh, I think that's mm. just bound to happen especially with Brexit so yeah that's our teams of the season uh, we'll post it, an image of that on our Twitter timeline which you'll be able to view tell us what you think tell us who we missed out but uh, yeah I think uh, it's, it's a lot easier when you don't have restrictions um, but uh, yeah it's uh, it's been a good challenge and lots of good sort of discussion about different players there um, to finish up tonight's show we said we would go through just like we did last week, just our scorecard of the bottom six in terms of wrapping up their sort of performances in the sort of first half of the season. And let's get straight into Owen and talk to me about Kilmarnock, who are currently sitting seventh. So for our listeners, last week we gave them a market of 10. What would you give Kelly? I'm going to give Kilmarnock five out of 10. Um, so Kilmarnock have had 13 losses, which is the third most in a league, so not great. Um, they have... Um, conceded 35 expected goals, uh, only conceded 28 actual goals. So they've maybe been a little bit fortunate not to be conceding more than that. Um, they're, like you said, sitting seventh in the table. They're eighth for non-penalty expected goals difference per 90. So round about where you'd expect them to be. Um, but yeah, I, I would say kind of middling. So that that's why they get a five from me. What, what about you? Yeah, you know, I've, no, I've gone for a five as well on, on Kilmarnock and uh I'm marking them down more on not signing Rashan uh, Daly uh, from our, our scouting report. Um, <laughs> they've got Adam, uh, sorry, not Adam, they've got uh, George Oakley in on, on trial just now, former Hamilton striker, big lump of a target man who's not very good at anything other than winning headers. So uh, my thoughts of Kilmarnock changing and evolving clearly aren't going to happen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I think that it's been a bit of a, not a, not a bad, like not a terrible season, but it's just not been great. And there's not a whole lot of bright spots that you can go to. Well, at least there's this because they've got, you know, quite an aging squad. They don't give a huge amount of minutes to to younger players. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. not a whole lot to be positive about for Kilmarnock. But they are sitting seventh. You know, having that stable starting eleven uh, obviously paid off for them. But yeah, not. Not been great for me. What about mm-hmm. St Mirren, who are currently eighth? Uh, obviously, just lost to to Livingston in the League Cup semi final one now. Talk to me about your your thoughts on them. Yeah, I'm going to dish out another five here. Um, so St Mirren eighth in the division. Um, they're actually sixth for non penalty expected goals difference per game. Um, 
but you know, roughly numerically around about where you'd expect them to be. Um, the thing that sticks out to me with St Mirren is that they've only scored 16 goals, which is the the least in the league. Um, that's 16 goals in 21 matches, which is really disappointing. Um, however, they, their expected goals is 26. So yet again, for kind of the second season in a row, they're underperforming that. That's really letting them down. Um, we'll see if Eamon Brophy is the man to kind of change that um, thing. But yeah, overall, kind of middling for me, I guess. I, I would give them a, a five for things. Yep. What about yeah. you? Uh, I've gone for a six, slightly more positive on Samarin. I think uh, they've got a lot of good young players in the team. They've made some smart moves in terms of recruitment. Uh, I trust Jim Goodwin as a manager to continue to develop, but what I think they really need to address is they, they do need to find that quality um, up front, and I think signing Eamon Brophy, just because he gets shots away, um, and I think Jim Goodwin referenced his his stats for uh, entries into the box, you know, I think uh, that doesn't particularly strike me as good when you see how wasteful Eamon Brophy is with his shooting locations, um so so yeah, I didn't I didn't particularly like that, but there's a lot of other positives. I think Jake Doyle Hayes has been really good since he's came in. Uh obviously giving our guy Ethan Erhorn a lot of minutes, uh, which is positive. Um so yeah, yeah I'm I'm gonna give them just a six, but I think that you know, considering St. Marin had a bit of money, I've not been too impressed with how they spent it in terms of uh, you know, bringing in Colin Quanar, uh, who I'm not sure why, but played 19 minutes against St Johnston and then wasn't even in the squad for the, the Livingston game. Uh, and then you've got, yeah, Eamon Brophy brought in as well. Just don't love that move. Uh, so, yeah, uh, St Mirren, six. St Johnston here sat in ninth and are in the cup final, obviously after a very impressive 3-0 victory uh, against Hibs. We've spoke about St Johnson a few times on the perform uh, on the performance on the podcast. Uh, Owen, what did you what would you give St Johnson sitting ninth? Yeah, um, it's another five for me. I'm afraid. Um, so St Johnson are a bit of a difficult one to work out. So they're they're sitting in ninth, um, which is not good enough. Um, but their expected goals difference per ninety actually puts them up in third. It's been a, a weird season. So they've scored twenty two goals. But their expected goals is 31. They've conceded 33, but their expected goals conceded is 22.5. So it's been, I don't know, disaster at both ends. I would say this is the football equivalent of sickness diarrhea that they've got. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't really give them anything more than a five, but I feel like I shouldn't give them anything less despite the, the position down in ninth because I think um, there, there are some reasonable things going on there. I expect them to improve over the remainder of the season and of course they've they've done very well to get to the league cup final what about you yeah, yes it's hard to be i want to be more positive about st johnson than than i'm going to be i've opted for a six again which is probably quite high for a team sitting ninth but i think to you know what you mentioned there about the sort of underlying numbers i thought about some of the players that they've got and how their squad is i i like it i like callum davidson as a young manager um the only thing for me is, can they use the, the cup win as a, a bit of a springboard to push them forward? I do wonder, you know, this is an example, Callum Davidson, obviously former St. Johnston player. If this was a, you know, potentially a foreign manager or someone without an affinity to uh, Scotland, would they be getting the same sort of leeway? Probably not. Um, but yeah, uh, six for me for St. Johnston. 
Let's move on to uh, Yogi Ball and Ross Kenny, who moved on from Stuart Kettlewell, but are currently sitting 10th with a pretty horrendous goal difference. Talk to me about Ross Kenny. Yeah, it's a three for me um, for Ross County. So like you said, uh, 10th in the league. Uh, their non-penalty expected goals difference per 90 puts them joint second bottom, so pretty much where they, they are. Um, they've only scored 18 goals. Um, XG4, though, is 24, so they've been maybe a little bit unlucky um, not to have scored more than that. However, as you point out, they've conceded 48 goals in 25 games, which is dreadful. It's the most in the league. Um, and th- their XG conceded is 44.6. So that that's, yeah, they've conceded a couple more than expectation, but that's still really bad in terms of number of goals conceded. They've they've lost 15 games, which is the most uh, that NMD's lost. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got no option but to score them quite lowly, and it's a three for me. What about you, Gavin? What have you given them? Yeah, I've gone for a two um, for Ross County. I think that some of the quality that they've got in that squad, I think they've spent a lot more than some of the others. And whilst there's been uh, signs of life under John Hughes, um, I think there's still a long way from it. And they need to, to really sort this out or they're going to find themselves in bother because I think Motherwell will, will sort of right some of their early season wrongs over the, the remainder of the season. And it puts Ross County in a real difficult position with only a point between them and Hamilton. Um, and they've played two more games than Hamilton as well. So really difficult for Ross County. So, see, I am worried about them. Uh, like I said, there are signs of life. Um, a positive to note is Josh Reed and the minutes they gave him. But obviously they're about to sell him. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they replace him because it doesn't look like he's going to be going back on loan. Uh, and let's move on to our second bottom team with that then. Owen, talk to me about Motherwell. Yeah, Motherwell got a three from me, so they are second bottom, but that's just in goal difference. They've got the same points as the bottom team, um, which is obviously really bad for like Motherwell. Um, they do have a couple of games in hand over Ross County who are above them, but still dreadful spot to be in. Um Motherwell have only won four games, which is the lowest amount of wins in the league. Um, they've scored 19 goals, been maybe a little bit unfortunate given their expected goals is 26, but they've conceded 35 goals, which is a lot. Um, the XG conceded is 35, so it's not as though they've been unlucky there um, at all. Um, and I think that the the we spoke earlier on about them there being some issues up front, but I think they're a bit more complex than just not having the right striker. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, it's not been a good season at all for Motherwell, right? Um, so it's a three for me. What, what about for you? I've given them a one. Wow. Um, yeah. But the re- the reason for that is that Motherwell are, in my view, uh, top sort of six team quite comfortably in terms of the squad. In terms of, uh, I guess that up until recently, Stephen Robinson, I thought he was a better manager. Um, I can't really say there's a whole lot of breaks that I can give Motherwell to say, um, you know, at least there's this. Um, I Yeah, I just think that they should be way above where they're at in terms of the overall season. I think, you know, they finished third last season, albeit the, the season was curtailed, but to be in the relegation zone, um, right. I think I, I can't be very positive about that. I, I do... I must say I do really like the things they do off the park. This is just based solely on sort of on the park results and performances. Um, but yeah, one for me from Marlowe. Cool. And uh, fin- 
finally on to Hamilton on talk to me about Aki's. Yeah, so Hamilton Aki's get a two for me. Um, so they're in 12th, obviously level in points from Motherwell, but a poor goal difference. Uh, they've lost 14 games, which is the second most. They've conceded 47 goals, which is the second most in the league, but they've done that in just 23 games. So they've conceded the most goals per game. Um, they've conceded 50.62 expected goals, so it could be even more that they've conceded than their four. Um, they've only scored 21 goals um, and that lines up with their expected goals um, so yeah they, they, they've had a very bad season all round their non-penalty expected goals difference per game is negative 1.42 which is by far the lowest in the league the closest to that is negative 0.62 so yeah um, a two for Aki's um, I know that you know people are, are shocked when they, they, they survive year upon year that, that can happen when there's only one team that automatically gets relegated, but I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get out of the, the bottom two this season. Uh, so two points. What about you? Uh, I'm going to give them one as well. I'm going to be a little bit harsher than you. I think they've been very poor. Um, there are one or two players that I do like in terms of uh, Hamilton, in terms of the setup, you know, like Jamie Hamilton, for example. But what frustrates me the most is Hamilton's uh, recruitment strategy so they never they never sign well uh, and they always seem to do, do the same sort of things and you know I was looking at uh, the signing of Justin Johnson who when they signed him uh, I was like that's just a horrendous move and since uh, he joined them I, I think he's only just breached 90 minutes uh, total um, and he joined them back in uh I think it was the his first appearance was in August, and he's played ninety minutes uh, total. So that's pretty bad. Uh, but that's not the, the sole reason. I think there's there's a lot of talk about you know uh, Brian Rice tries to play like good football, tries to play the right way, and all these sort of things. I don't see it. I, I really don't see it. Um, and yeah, I I think that this is the like you the year that Hamilton will go down um, or will be in serious bother. Um, so yeah, one for me for Hamilton. And that sort of wraps up our scorecards, our team of the season. Um, obviously, you know, there's there's a lot happening in Scottish football just now. We're, we're still waiting to see whether League One and League Two will come back, but we'll just have to have to wait. Um, but you can catch us on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Twitch, where we're now doing more live streams like we, we done earlier on this evening before recording the podcast. Um, but Owen, can you let the listeners know where they can find you if they want to follow you on any social media? Yeah, you can catch me at Owen James Brown on Twitter. Try and help me get to 3,000 followers before the Pure Football account gets to 10,000. That would be a good three uh, contest. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously follow the main Pure Football account on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Anything else you want to say before we go, Gavin? Yeah, just uh, thank you to everyone that's listening. The Pure Championship show should be out tomorrow which would be tuesday if you're listening to this uh, sorry on wednesday if you're listening to this on tuesday when it's published uh, if not go to our pure fit feed on apple or any of your chosen uh, podcast links and you'll find uh, our back catalog there which we highly recommend you check out thanks for listening stay safe and we'll be back soon <laughs>